Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode number 72 of the Langpreneur podcast. Now today's guest on the show is not a Langpreneur because I believe that, you know, every now and then we can learn, we can also learn things from people who are doing something different from things that we are doing, right? Um, The name of today's guest is Johnny FD and Johnny is a travel blogger. So yeah, he travels about uh, traveling, of course, but also online business, location independent lifestyle, investing. Um, He's the host of the Travel Like a Boss and the Invest Like a Boss podcast. And he's also the host of the annual Nomad Summit. Now, Johnny is very well known in the space of digital nomads making money online. And um, two years ago, we actually had the uh, opportunity to hang out together in Thailand. I happen to be to be there when he organized his um, his Nomad Summit. A mutual friends of ours, Lydia Machova, that you might remember from the third episode of this podcast. She was there as well, and uh, she invited us to go for dinner. Um, you know, we got to talk to Johnny, and we talked about online business, about life. And he has a very inspiring story. And, uh, you know, he also has lots of travel wisdom, Business builders, business building wisdom that he's going to share with us uh, on the show today. So some of the things that we're going to talk about today, um, you know, ways to make money online other than selling digital courses like most of us do. Um, we're going to talk about the challenges and advantages of living a location independent lifestyle. And we're going to talk about finance as well. Johnny is very transparent about how much money he's making and how much money he spends. Uh, he's spending and investing so yeah we're going to talk about that as well and um, about investing as well so what do you do with all that money that you're making from your online business right Johnny is going to share what he does and um, some of the strategies that yeah have been working for him and the people that he knows so if you guys are ready then let's get started here we go This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey Johnny, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Good to be here. Yeah, good to hear your voice again. And remember last time we, uh, well, we actually got to hang out in person, right? Was in Thailand, Chiang Mai. What was it like, two years ago? It feels like 20 years ago, but yeah, sorry, two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool because, uh, well, you organized the, uh, the Nomad Summit and we're going to talk about more, we're going to talk more about that later. But yeah, you uh, two years ago, you organized the event in, in Chiang Mai and uh, Lydia, our mutual friend, she spoke on your stage, and uh, I happened to be there as well. And we, uh, well, we hang out a few times, right? We went to that. What was it? Was it a, a hedgehog cafe or? Yeah, it's like a cat cafe, but with hedgehogs. It was great. <laughs> yeah, we went for dinner a few times. So great to catch up again. We have a lot to talk about today, Johnny, because well, you have been uh, you have been doing this for a while, right? Building businesses, traveling the world. Uh, organizing events, investing. We're going to talk about all that stuff. But maybe first of all, for our audience, talk a bit about yourself and what it is you do. Yeah, Donkeyville. So it turns out I'm pretty good at you know running businesses and growing businesses. I'm terrible at learning languages. So I'm very jealous of pretty much all your listeners. I've been trying to learn Russian for the last three years. And I'm sad to say it probably hasn't improved at all since we last saw each other. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> But you have been doing, you have been focusing on other things, right? So talk a bit about, about the, the projects and what it is you do. Yeah, so I started in 2008. I read the 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, and I decided to move to Thailand. And for the first five years, all my you know income was offline. It was taking people scuba diving. Uh, it was doing Muay Thai, which is kickboxing. And my first digital product was in 2013. I decided to take all the knowledge that... I had collected over the years about leaving the U.S. or you know leaving my home country and moving to a cheap place like Thailand, dealing with all the visas, dealing with 
uh, health insurance and you know finding apartments and all that. And I basically created a book called 12 Weeks in Thailand, The Good Life on the Cheap. And that's what kicked it off. You know, I said, okay, you know what? This is pretty good. If I can make a couple hundred dollars a month from this one book, how can I scale up my income so I never have to go back to the US where I never have to work a traditional job again? Yeah. So you are from San Francisco originally, is that right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then what, you didn't like your, your life back in the States anymore? You decided to go on Thailand or why did you make that big, that big step? Well, I actually thought my life in California was great. It was what most Americans or most people dream about. You know, I was living in a really nice house in Los Angeles, kind of near Melrose. I had a cool car, I had cool clothes. I was going to nightclubs every weekend and, you know, trying to meet girls and, you know, going out to nice restaurants and, you know, it was all, all that, the tr- traditional uh, dream for any guy in their 20s. But I just wasn't happy and I didn't realize I wasn't happy. And I also re- didn't realize I wasn't really pursuing my passions. I had no passions. I, I remember people ask, like, what are your hobbies? I'm like, I don't know, going to the bar, like, you know, <laughs> shop, yeah. online shopping. Hmm. I never had a single hobby or passion that I was really into. And it wasn't until I went on a vacation to Thailand. And for a lot of Europeans listening to this, you know, going on a trip somewhere for a month isn't a big deal. It's, it's pretty normal. But for Americans, even a two-week vacation internationally is is something you really plan for years. Yeah. And I had just happened to read the four hour work week before going and mm-hmm. decided my goal is just to go for three weeks and not have to check email and not have my life fall apart, you know, or not have like my house burned down or my bills not get paid. Mm-hmm. So it forced me to automate everything, forced me to kind of figure that, that part out. And when I was there, I realized, you know what? I'm walking around in a $2 t-shirt and a pair of shorts and, you know, and some knockoff Haviana flip-flops. And I'm happy. After the first time in my life, I'm happy. And when I found scuba diving, it was the first time I thought, wow, this is something I want to do every day. And this is my passion. Yeah. So that was it. That was, that was the one thing that was missing back in the U.S., a passion. Yeah. And really just even the time to realize I wasn't happy. I had no idea and I wasn't myself, you know, I was kind of a douchebag when I look back, but yeah. I was just trying to be cool. I was trying to be, you know, the, the guy that I thought I needed to be. Yeah. But when I first started, you know, living abroad, I realized, well, okay, first I don't need as much money because life is cheap, especially if you're living kind of like a local. Yeah. And second, no one cares what you're wearing, what car you're driving. Mm. You know, I can start really you know, focusing on my, my, my passions or trying to find what it is. Yeah. So you were there in Thailand and uh, you, know, you wanted to stay longer. How do you do it? Did you have to, were you still working back in San Francisco? Did you have to quit your job or how did you go from there? Yeah, so luckily I had just got laid off. Uh, okay. The big company I worked for, it uh, got bought out by another big company, and I got a, a a few months bonus. You know, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was let's say like three thousand dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I sold my car, so I had another you know four thousand from that. And I thought, okay, it was seven seven thousand dollars. Maybe I can go six months. Mm-hmm. It turns out that you know if you're living cheaply, uh, seven thousand dollars can can go last maybe even a year. And within that year, I started working as a dive guide. Uh, I finished my internship as a scuba diver. And I wasn't making you know, much money at all. Sometimes I would just trade my work for food and accommodation. So I'm essentially getting paid zero. But I had, I had a blast. I had the time of my life for four years. Mm-hmm. So for five years, you managed to survive just doing local jobs, right? So you were just making enough to sustain your life there? Or were you, were you able to save anything? Or? Yeah, I, I mean, I had nothing saved up. Um, I mean, usually, I think the most I ever got paid was maybe $1,000 a month. And most of that went to, you know, flights back home once a year to see my parents for the holidays or, you know, little things that come up here and there. Uh, so it wasn't until 2013 when I realized... This is nice, but I can't do this forever. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be that old grumpy guy that no longer likes scuba diving or no longer wants to live on a small island, but is trapped. And, and there's plenty of guys like that. There's always, I mean, pretty, I mean, I worked in 10 different resorts and at each one, there's always some old guy, usually either an old German or British guy. 
they'll just complain all day about their life and just drink too much and smoke too much, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I never wanted to be that guy. (laughs) And that's when I decided I need to make in the equivalent of a U.S. salary. I need to make at least a few thousand dollars a month, you know, but I need to do it from here. And the only way I think to do that was online. Yeah. So then you wrote that book. And uh, what was it about exactly? And and how do you go about selling the book? Did you already have an online audience or how did that go? So I had a blog uh, that I was writing just about my experience. uh, And that was kind of the the first kind of base. So the first month I actually made $600, but it was mainly from that audience. Mm -hmm. But after that, I realized, okay, I need to reach a new audience. And that's when I put it on Amazon. I put it on Amazon Kindle. Yeah. And I, you know, then spent the next, you know, one or two months learning how to market, mm-hmm. you know, and I met some really interesting people. You know, I, I would basically just find anybody that would talk to me and I would offer to treat them to lunch or to dinner. And luckily, you know, restaurants in Thailand aren't very, very expensive. So, mm-hmm. you know, for $5, you can, you can have dinner with two people yeah. and I would just, you know, try to get to know them and find out what they were up to. And, you know, maybe if they had any advice for me to sell more books, yeah. And most people, you know, had a, you know, interesting uh, journeys. And I realized, you know, there's people doing like SEO or copywriting or, um, you know, teaching English online or, you know, doing different jobs, but none of it was really my passion, you know? And mm. I, you know, I have since realized that you can be successful doing pretty much anything. And one kind of funny caveat is I had no idea how many, language entrepreneurs are out there, you know, or, you know, yeah. entrepreneurs in the language space. I had yeah. zero idea. I, I didn't even know what a polyglot was or that there was a huge community of you guys. It wasn't until I met Lydia that she introduced me to you guys. And then also I started going to some, you know, Mundo Lingo and other yeah. meetups. And I thought, wow, even in my city, there's all these people. Yeah. Because that's the good thing about being in a city like Chiang Mai, for example, because there is a lot of location independent entrepreneurs that, well, that hang out there, but also just work. They go to co-working spaces and then there's a lot of networking events, uh, maybe not last year. But so is, is that how you learned about you know, online marketing, online business, just through meeting people in the places? Where yeah, you hang out? one 100%. Um, I I mean, this was, you know, back in 2013. So the the information wasn't there. You couldn't just look on YouTube. I mean, now you can go on YouTube, you can search Nomad Summit, you can watch, you know, Lydia's talk about how she started from, you know, some small, basically town and started making $100,000 a year from that. And that information was nowhere before. Like you couldn't even pay to find that information and now people can literally watch it for free it's mind-blowing you know it's it's it really is a day new new day and age but when i started i basically just like you know i would i would search for like random stuff like who who likes tim ferris on facebook you know who likes uh robert kiyosaki or rich dad poor dad and i just uh learned from you know these random people um big shout out to anton Crayley. he was like my first big mentor he was some guy from new york he was just in chiang mai for i think a week or two and i just happened to catch him and he just he gave me the best advice possible for not only selling more of my books but then i found out that he's selling you know instead of selling ten dollar books online he's selling you know like thousand dollar pieces of furniture and i realized okay you know what maybe i can do the same Mm-hmm. So how do you go from there? What what did you learn and how do you apply that in your business? Yeah, well, luckily he had an online course that he had just started. So I was like one of his first like 20 students. Uh, and, you know, since I met him in person, I trusted him and I was like, you know, he knows, he's definitely knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just followed that and, you know, still a lot of work, to be honest. It, was, it, was, it wasn't easy, but I, I started, you know, a dropshipping store, which mm-hmm. if anyone's not familiar, it's basically you start an online business um, on your own website. So not on Amazon or eBay or anything, but on your own site and you find suppliers, usually ones in your home country. So for me, it was us suppliers. If you're Dutch, it'd be in Holland. You know, if you're in Australia, it'd be Australians and you would just become an authorized dealer and sell their products. And the only difference between that and traditional e-commerce is 
instead of first buying all the inventory and putting it into a warehouse or something, yeah. you just have an agreement where they'll ship the items directly to your customers for you. Yeah. So the idea is that you run online ads, for example, to get traffic to your website. And then when people buy, you, you tell the, the manufacturer you buy it from to directly ship it to the customer. Is that how it works? Yeah, 100%. And to the manufacturer, the benefit is you're doing the ads and also you're doing the customer service. Yeah. Uh, the manufacturer can just focus on making the products. Mm-hmm. Is that how you made most of your money during the last, of the last 10 years? Yeah, that was, that's been by far my, my biggest business the last, probably you know, since 2013, so the last eight, seven, eight years now. Yeah, are you still doing it? Yeah, so I actually have one store left that is ran with a partner, uh, but now I'm kind of a small stakeholder. Uh, there's three other guys. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't recommend doing it with partners. It was more just because I had started and sold three stores on my own yeah. uh, or with other partners, and I just didn't have the energy to run another business because um, even though it doesn't take – that much time, it's still a business, you know, and you have to wake up every day and, you know, maybe, you know, you only have one or two emails or maybe you have 20 emails, you know, from somebody who, you know, uh, put the wrong address and now their neighbor has their, you know, their thousand dollar item and you have to figure it out. So it's definitely still a business. I don't, I don't want anyone thinking it's some kind of easy overnight thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's worth it because you can do it from anywhere. And I did it from Thailand. Yeah. Well, Johnny, you're also the uh, the organizer of the Nomad Summit, right? You also have a, po- a podcast, or actually two podcasts, so you talk to lots of people in the well, the uh, the Nomad slash making money online, online entrepreneurs. Um, what are some of the business models that are the best for people who want to travel in your opinion? Yeah, so I, w- I would break it down to kind of 50-50 where half of it is stuff where you're kind of trading time for money. So whether you're uh, a tutor or teaching English online or you're freelancing where you're, you know, tra- doing translation work or uh, copywriting, uh, providing kind of these services. And then the other half would be kind of more the entrepreneur side where you start a business, whether it's dropshipping, whether it's Amazon FBA, uh, whether it's coding an app uh, or writing a piece of software, there's so many. I mean, the Travel Like a Boss podcast is the one I interview entrepreneurs on. And now we have, I think, 250 plus episodes and probably 200 different business models on there. So really, there's oh, yeah. so many things to do. Yeah. What's your favorite model? Dropshipping or besides dropshipping? For, for me, it's always been dropshipping because it's very tangible. Like, from I remember when I first was trying to figure out, uh, you know, uh, this ebook, for example, I was thinking, why is it that some ebooks sell for $299 and some ebooks sell for $2.99? I just, I couldn't figure it out. And when, because I couldn't figure out why somebody would pay $300 for a digital product, I also just couldn't sell a physical product for $300. Mm-hmm. But when I started selling furniture, I knew what a table costs because I knew if I went down at, you know, a local store, uh, you know, I, I, I knew if I went to Ikea, what, what one should cost. And I also knew how much one should cost if I went to a actual furniture maker, you know, mm-hmm. and had them, you know, make something like higher quality. Mm-hmm. And for me, it is very simple saying like, okay, somebody needs a table. <laughs> they need it this size. They want it this color with this wood. And, you know, it's, it's a very simple transaction, you know, uh, to wrap your head around. And that's what I liked about it. Like, I, I liked that people were physically getting something in the mail. I like that I was helping, you know, these manufacturers who normally just don't have time or just aren't very good at marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can just focus on the craft. Yeah. One thing that I really like about your blog is that you're very transparent about your earnings and like how you spent money, how much you spend and tell us a little bit about your income streams and yeah, some of the things that you've done over the last well, let's say 10 years, you sold ebooks, um, drop shipping, uh, maybe some online consulting. Um, give us an overview of the income streams that you have. Yeah, so I actually, I probably got a little bit too carried away because I would get really excited every time I heard about something new and I would just try it. You know, I've always been the type to experiment. Uh, I probably spread myself way too thin, so I wouldn't recommend anyone do more than one or two things at a time. <laughs> but 
in total, I think I had 14 different income streams and there's actually a, an entire video about it uh, on YouTube. Just look for Johnny FD income streams, but uh, to kind of just quickly go over in order. So the first was the Amazon Kindle book. Then it was my dropshipping stores. And then I created a course on Udemy, uh, which is like a online learning platform. Yeah. Uh, and then I think I had, I, I don't remember the order now, now, so I'm just going to kind of randomly say them, but I, I created a YouTube channel, which uh, actually now makes decent money. Now it makes over 1,500 uh, a month, mostly about travel videos. Um, but in then, I, yeah, in that sense, uh, then I had the live event with the, the conference, the Nomad Summit. I have two podcasts, so Travel Like a Boss, which is about uh, digital nomads, and then Invest Like a Boss, which is about investing, um, which I started with my buddy, Sam Marks, who also sold a business. He sold his for a lot more than, than mine, but we both just all of a sudden had this money and we didn't know what to do with it. So we decided what better way to learn than start a podcast and you know ask all the stupid questions that you know uh, we wanted to ask. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then there, there's been like a whole host of kind of random things I've tried. And the, the nice thing is pretty much everything works. You know, I, I always kind of hear from people that they can't think of anything that works or there's like, oh, I just need one way to make money online. And I'm like, pretty much everything works. I mean, like, you know, don't start, you know, don't join some like MLM or pyramid scheme or something, you know, don't do like, you know, casinos or something. But in general, like if something makes common sense where a customer is actually getting a usable product and they buy it from other places, why wouldn't they buy it from you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's that simple. I mean, I even had a, I actually accidentally started a logo and web design company. And it was basically someone reached out to me and asked if I can make a logo for their CrossFit gym. And I'm not that good at making logos, but the guy sitting next to me at the co-working space was. So I said, yes, I can do it. And then I asked the guy sitting next to me, how much would he charge? And I added 20% to that to manage it. And that person, you know, the CrossFit gym loved it. So they referred a friend. That person loved it. I, you know, I ended up making three logos for three different gyms. One of them said, oh, can you also make a website? And I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then I ended up, you know, basically creating an agency for CrossFit related, uh, you know, websites and logos. So yeah. everything technically works as long as you're bringing some kind of value. And and even in that case, it sounds like I'm just passing you know, uh, passing along the the work, but, you know, I was really managing it. You know, I was like really making, you know, really taking the time to make sure I understood exactly what they wanted. I helped them through the design process. And then I made sure that the designer actually did exactly what they needed to do. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. And what about Udemy? Was that something that worked for you? Because many of our listeners create or either want to create online courses. Would you recommend trying Udemy or do you know people who are successful selling courses on Udemy? Yeah. So for me, it's 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 always hard to say because if you ask me how much money I make from my Udemy courses today, you would think it's not worth it because you know maybe some months I'm getting like thirty bucks or fifty bucks, yeah. but in total I've made well over twenty thousand dollars from the couple courses I have online there. So that made it worth it, and I've actually had some people who started Udemy courses because they had heard about it from me, who now you know, make uh, $10,000 a month from it. Mm-hmm. So I remember there was one girl, I'm trying to remember, it was episode 221, fashion blogger to digital nomad success on Travel Like a Boss, Louise. She basically, you know, heard from me and my my girlfriend at the time that we had a Udemy course, you know, that was doing pretty good, making a couple hundred bucks. And she decided, hey, let me try it about, you know, fashion. And she just dove straight in. She made it her full-time gig. And uh, when I when I spoke to her, at least as of last month, I mean, uh, last year, she's making 10 grand a month from it, which so, you know, it definitely works. Yeah, well, interesting. And basically, just for the listeners who don't know what Udemy is, it's basically as a platform that you have to create a course for, right? You, only, you can only sell that course through Udemy. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually, I think you can sell it on multiple platforms. But okay. yeah. But the idea is that 
you well if, you, if your normal price is like 100 bucks Udemy will sell it for 10 or 20 they give a huge discount but the value that you get from that is that you know they have a huge audience so you get a lot of new clients new buyers and exposure to people that you couldn't reach otherwise so okay yeah Julie tell us a little bit more about your income stream like how much money can you make as an as a digital nomad of course the sky is the limit but like in your experience and I usually don't ask how much money people make but it's all on your blog right the information is already out there so tell a bit about um yeah about your your, your earnings and um yeah so I I understand why most people are very secretive about it. It's either they feel uncomfortable sharing it. You know, they don't want to be judged. They think it's too high or maybe they think it's too low or they're just uncomfortable talking about numbers. For me, the reason why I started was in the beginning, I wasn't making that much anyways. So, you know, it didn't really matter. Uh, but it was exciting. You know, I wanted to celebrate it. You know, I remember the first time I made $100 online, I shared it with everybody. I told everybody that I made $100 and nobody really cared. You know, I remember my, my friends and my family were saying like, like, it's only $100. Like, who cares? I said, no, I made $100 today. Actually, you know, I made it while I was sleeping from something I had set up. And if I can just make that $100 every day, that's $3,000 a month. That means I never have to go back and work a corporate job again. And I remember just seeing that big picture and my goal after, you know, from that point on was like, okay, what can I do to make a hundred dollars a day? And it, when you break it down like that, making $3,000 a month and being location dependent, isn't that hard. And once you start making a hundred dollars a day, you start thinking, well, like how can I scale this up? Or I'm making 200 or 500 or a thousand. And I remember just, you know, finding what worked and just, you know, putting more time or money or energy into it. And some months, you know, I'd make $1,000, which is still enough to live in Thailand in these cheap places. And some months, I, my, big, my biggest and best months, and unfortunately, I'm not making that every, every month and not now, but I would make twenty twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 on that month. Yeah. So it, it was it was really life-changing for me. And, and the best thing that ever happened was I still continued to live cheaply or frugally in places like Thailand. And I just saved and invested 80% of everything I earned. Yeah. So I guess that brings us to the next topic and that is investing, right? So what do you do with, with all the money that you make? I mean, you live in Asia, you are in Sri Lanka now, right? Um, yeah. How much money do you actually need as a digital nomad with a humble lifestyle in Asia? So, I've lived as cheaply as $600 a month, you know, and that first book, 12 Weeks in Thailand is, is all about that. I would recommend though, for most people, if you want like a decent uh, standard of living where you're, you know, you have enough money for gym membership and to be able to have a glass of wine once in a while and, you know, eat Western food and not feel like you're suffering, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would say a thousand dollars a month. And really, it's not, you know, that's not that much money. A thousand dollars a month is you can live a great life in most countries, especially in Asia. Mm -hmm. What are your favorite countries in Asia? Or what countries do you think are the best for digital nomads? So definitely Chiang Mai, uh, including, you know, uh, in Thailand is the easiest kind of best place to start. Uh, in the last couple of years, it's been less you know, popular appealing just because there's so many other options now. Uh, I would say one of the worst to go to is Bali. You know, most people think it's the best place to go because it's beautiful. But the the fact is, Bali is the, it's a great place to go if you've already made a lot of money and you just want to chill out and surf. Or if you just don't care about making money, you just want to go chill out and surf and, you know, grow your Instagram audience uh, by taking nice photos. But what I liked about places like Chiang Mai is people are very down to earth and very realistic, you know, like they, they understand that you need to sit down in a, in a comfortable chair for eight hours and, you know, you know, and build a business. You can't just sit by the pool, you know, um, or on like a wooden chair for two hours a day and, you know, magically be successful. Yeah. So, there are other places besides Chiang Mai. I would say uh, Las Palmas uh, in Gran Canary is another great place to be. Um, uh, Lisbon, Portugal is another great place to be. But you know, really, at the end of the day, it's it's about finding a community that you like. Um, 
and a climate you like, you know. So for some people, it might be the small ski village of Bansko, Bulgaria. Um, and for others, it might be, you know, somewhere in, in Mexico. But I would say the easiest place to start would be Chiang Mai, Thailand would be my number one pick. Second would probably be uh, Lisbon in, in, in uh, Portugal. What about like Tbilisi or Kiev? Yeah, those are those have those have potential, but there just isn't a stable community there right now. You know, I, I've been to both. I, I like both a lot. The Nomad Summit was supposed to be in Tbilisi, Georgia this year, mm-hmm. but it got canceled because of uh, the travel pandemic. Yeah. But I love Tbilisi. I, I think it has potential to be the next Chiang Mai, especially because Americans can get a one-year visa on arrival. Mm-hmm. The cost of living are low. The food is great. Wine is great. Uh, it's just a, like a nice place and has a growing community, but it's just not established yet. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about investing then because you earn about at least what I could see from an income report. So about $10,000 $10, per month, right? Is that, a, is that, yep. is that correct? And you're yeah, almost spot on. Yeah. And yeah. your spendings are like what? 3000 4 Yeah, it, it varies. Um, so my actual spending is normally only like 1500 a month. Uh, but I get, I've been started giving my parents a thousand dollars a month to help with their retirement. You know, I pay for their property taxes now. Uh, and you end up spending money on random stuff like this month. I bought, you know, iPhone 12 and the new MacBook uh, M1. So this was a, you know, expensive month, but usually, you know, I, I try to spend $600 a month or less for my accommodation. Uh, I like to eat local food. I don't drink that much alcohol. I don't smoke. Uh, I don't party. So, uh, I my my normal cost of living are anywhere between a, I would say eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars on average. Only eight to twelve hundred dollars on average. Whoa, that's uh, yeah, that's fantastic. That means that you're able to save a lot of money uh, or <laughs> yeah. invest uh, that money. So what do you do? That's that's the next question. I do. How do yeah. you do? You invest it? Do you just keep it on your bank account? Do you buy stocks, real estate, buy drop shipping stores, reinvest in the business? Uh, yeah, tell us. So. I've I've done a little bit of all that, but I would say my my main cornerstone is Vanguard index funds, and and Vanguard is just a like a low cost company, and you know if you're European, um, you can get it through another company. But basically, index fund is you're buying the entire stock market. Uh, you're not paying a, a financial advisor. You're not paying these big fees, and as long as the entire stock market goes up slowly, uh, which it has, you know, basically throughout history because the economy you know grows and things get more expensive then on average you're making you know 7 or 8% a year uh, i i i reserve 10% of my money as kind of the fun gamble money so if i want to buy individual stocks you know i'll, I'll use that to kind of gamble with um, yeah. and i have you know maybe 30% in like real estate funds which uh, allows me to invest in real estate without actually having to manage it mm-hmm. um, but definitely for most people starting out, if you just buy a, a broad index uh, index fund, you're buying like the total U.S. stock market or uh, the total kind of world international stock market. We'll do 50-50 of, of both. Like you're, you're probably going to be pretty good. Um, with the caveat is you definitely want to have some savings. For most people, it's you know anywhere between six and 12 months of savings just in a in a savings account somewhere, yeah. just so you never have to sell uh, while everything is down because Right now, everything's up, but who knows? In a few months, you know, we might have a three-year or five-year depression. Yeah. So what is the, um, what is the goal? I mean, you said you get between 7 and 8% return on investment from the uh, index fund. Um, do you want to start working eventually, or you want to have so much money invested that you don't have to work anymore? Or what's the, what's the financial goal here? Yeah. So actually, uh, as of this year, I've actually decided not to work too much anymore. Um, it happened just be- just before the pandemic, which is good timing. You know, I wanted to come to Sri Lanka just to surf and not do much, but I still want to grow my income. I don't want to draw down yet because I'm still, you know, in my late thirties. You know, stuff. You know, hopefully many years to, to live. Um, what's nice about having investments is, in general, as long as you're making five percent or more you can withdraw, you know, let's say 4% uh, a year and you'll theoretically never run out of money, you know, and you can even adjust it for inflation and, you know, take out a little bit more every year, especially on good years. So 
the goal would be to never have to work again and, and never have to do a project that I don't want to do just for the money. Uh, but at the same time, like if, if you just retire when you're 30 or 39, you know, you're bored. There's nothing to do. So what I've been doing is I've been focusing on making YouTube videos. Uh, and just these last six months, I grew my channel, Johnny FD, from 15,000 subscribers to 50,000. Really? And now I'm making, you know, 1500 or $2,000 a month doing something I actually really enjoy doing. So it's not, it's not work for me. It's uh, kind of an excuse to go do cool stuff and, and make a video about it. Yeah. Well, so how do you grow the channel so quickly? Is it like, was it a matter of like really niched video, focusing on niche videos or? It's actually it's actually a little bit simpler than uh, I, I thought it was. But in the beginning, it's kind of you just like make videos about what you think, you know, whatever you think um, people would want. And then you never know, right? Like it's really hit or miss. Yeah. So that part is hard. You're kind of just throwing a wide net. But the trick really is once a video, you know, does well, just keep making videos about that topic and don't bounce around too much. And it sounds almost kind of so simple that it's stupid, but like, for example, if, you, if your channel was about uh, Russian grammar in the very next, you know, uh, no, let's say your, your, you know, your, your channel is about, you know, uh, Russian language, which is already a niche, but let's say most of your videos just don't do that well, but for some reason, one video about Russian grammar did really well. Yeah. What you, what most people end up doing is just, you know, they're like, okay, that was nice. And then they just keep making videos as they would. Yeah. Instead, you want to double or triple down and keep making videos about Russian grammar or different aspects of Russian grammar yeah. until people get tired of it. And then you move on to the next topic. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the topics that have been working very uh, well for you? So when I look in the past, uh, I, I realized that people really liked food videos, you know, cause I love, I love to eat and it probably comes across on, on camera. Uh, so I remember when I was in Mexico, I made a video about like street tacos and that one did exceptionally well. I had like, you know, 15 or 20,000 views versus my normal videos would get like a thousand. Uh, unfortunately I didn't, you know, think about that. I just moved on. Uh, luckily this last you know time uh, I made a video about, just kind of like expat life in uh, Sri Lanka. And I decided, okay, uh, now let me make a video about, you know, online business again. And then nobody watched. And I was like, okay, uh, let me write, you make a video about minimalism and like, you know, my, my philosophies and then nobody watched. And I was like, you know what? People just want videos about, you know, what life is like in Sri Lanka. So for the next 40 videos, that's all they've been about. And they just kept growing. <laughs> Well, what's uh, you are in Sri Lanka now? What's the next the next destination? You're still in lockdown, or uh, things are actually pretty open here. Um, the country's you know currently closed for for new tourists, with some kind of minor exceptions. But I'm gonna stay here at least until spring, until probably April, and then I'm gonna go back to Ukraine because I really would like to finally learn Russian. Mm -hmm. So uh, probably three months in Ukraine, and then who knows? Maybe you know go to Russia or go somewhere else and focus on that for the next couple of years. Cause you know, that's uh, the one thing I feel like I haven't been able to, <laughs> to achieve is that one goal. Yeah. Oh, Johnny, I mean, you've been able to, you've achieved a lot of things over the last 10 years, right? You're making good money. You're investing a lot of money. You, you're traveling the world. You're not working too much. You're doing fun things, content creation, a podcast, YouTube, um, what were some of the hardest moments on, on this journey? I mean, we often on the podcast, we talk about all the success, right? But I recently talked to some of our listeners and they said, Jan, the episodes that we like most are actually where the guests are talking about the struggles. Can you share a bit about, you know, some of the struggles that you have had uh, on, on this it, journey? Yeah, I mean, even just deciding to leave the US and go to Thailand was, was super hard for me, especially because there's no there's no one else doing it at the time, you know, there was no information about it. Um, and then, you know, wanting to start my first business was, was really hard. And, you know, I remember <clears throat> even though, you know, I had met Anton and, you know, I could trust the guy and he had this course that was pretty good. I was still struggling. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm putting in eight hours every day, like 
building the store, calling suppliers, adding products to the website, and I'm spending money, you know, running ads to this, and I don't see any returns. You know, it's been, you know, it was, it took two months and two months. Imagine waking up every day, going to work for two months and not getting a paycheck, you know, and not only not getting a paycheck, but then you're spending, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week on, on advertisements. (laughs) It's hard, you know, it's really hard. And then, I mean, luckily I didn't have anyone breathing down my neck saying, this is not going to work, you know, like, you know, uh, online business doesn't work or you know blah, blah blah you know or you should do uh amazon instead or you should do something you know whatever instead i think now people have a different set of challenges where there's just too much information where the biggest problem people have is they think too much or they just jump around too much to different things but for me it was definitely just not being sure because there's no one else doing it at the time yeah you see a lot of new people entering the community and trying to build an online business. Um, what do you think the number one reason is that people fail? Is it that there are too many options, distractions? I would, yeah, I, I would say it's definitely that. I mean, at the end of the day, most people, they give an excuse to themselves on why they couldn't do it. You know, uh, most people like most people are comfortable, you know, where they would rather not, have to do all the work and just be able to collect a paycheck. I mean, I think most people, their ideal job or career would be to do the least amount of work and have a steady guaranteed income. And unfortunately that does not work in the entrepreneurship world. That doesn't work in the business world. You know, it shouldn't even work in the world world, but you know, it just, it happens to do it. So not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. I mean, to be honest, you know, but I think everybody should try because if you can do it, the the rewards are endless. Yeah. Well, some of the people or what kind of people do often succeed in, in this space in your experience? I would say people who are willing to, you know, Google the problem themselves and figure it out and instead of just saying, you know, throwing their hands in the air or like having to ask someone else, you know, like I'm in a group where somebody had mentioned something about DuckDuckGo as a, you know, as alternative to Google. And then <clears throat> it takes like two seconds to Google what is good duck, duck, go and figure it out. You know, but this person was like, no, I don't know what it is. So I give up or like, <laughs> Oh, let me, let me like write this as a question as a new topic. And then, you know, in three days, somebody will respond to it and then give me the answer. It's like, no, just Google it. Like it, it, things are so easy to figure out now that don't expect someone to hold your hand. Even if you're in a paid course, don't expect everyone to hold your hand. Like, just go through as much of it as you can, and then if you really get stuck, then ask for help. So it's really a mindset thing. If you don't know anything, just go to Google, try to figure it out yourself. Don't know how to build a website. Don't know how to build a landing page. Just, just Google. And when it comes to really difficult strategic questions, they can always just ask help for people who are, yeah, people who are more experienced. Maybe in a mastermind group. Um, people who are not scared to put themselves out there, no excuses who just get started. That's the kind of mindset that we are looking for here, right? Yeah. And also realize everybody gets anywhere between one and three chances, you know? And if you, you know, even like pretty much everybody will take the time to answer one question. You know, if you ask them nicely, you know, they see that you've been working hard, but if you ask them two, three questions in a row and they see that you're not doing any of the work, like yeah. nobody's going to help you. Yeah. Well, Johnny, how do you keep learning? I mean, you, you're obviously well-connected. You have this podcast, you know, the organizer of the Nomad Summit. How do you keep learning? How do you? Yeah. I mean, ironically, uh, every day I'm learning. I mean, today I used Final Cut Pro for the first time. You know, I was using iMovie for the first, you know, however many years of my YouTube channel. And I figured that out on my own. And then today with Final Cut Pro, which is you know much more complicated, I basically watched a few tutorials on YouTube. Um, I watched a video on Skillshare, and then I Googled a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then some of it, I was kind of just like trial and error, you know. I'm like, I right, should I just maybe I can just restart the computer because <laughs> this isn't working. Yeah. I think it's a it's a drive where I'm just like, you know, I'm not an idiot. I you know, I'm I'm definitely lazy sometimes, but 
that I can fix, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you just, you just do it. You know, like it's, it's hard to like give people this, you know, golden motivation if they're not motivated themselves. Um, but sometimes you have to just realize nobody's going to do the work for you. you it, it's your own responsibility. How important is, is it for you to, to network with other people in the industry or maybe in other niches? Like organizing events, yeah. going to events. Are you part of Mastermind, for example? Tell a bit about, about that. Yeah. So the funny thing is I never actively searched for things like that. Uh, and I hate like um, formal networking, but... I'm very lucky where I've met so many successful people through everything I do and we've helped each other out tremendously. But I think the difference is we, we become friends first. Uh, we give value first before ever asking for anything. You know, if somebody walks around like, you know, a, a conference and they're wearing a suit and tie, they're handing out business cards. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk like be friends with them, you know, like this, they're just there to like leech off you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but if somebody like, if I just get to know somebody first as a real person, you know, or through friends and someone vouches for them and then we realize, Oh, we actually could help each other out. Or, you know, we know someone that they, they should connect with. Then that's how things happen organically and, and naturally. You're the organizer of the Nomad Summit. How did you, why, why did you start the Nomad Summit? And tell us a bit about the event. Yeah, so back, back then, you know, this is five, six years ago, there was no organized digital nomad conferences. You know, there's a few now that popped up, but I was really one of the first, uh, at, at least definitely the first in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Uh, and we, you know, we would meet up, you know, with like informally at bars and stuff. And, you know, there's, so there's always people organizing something, but it was always loud. You know, we were always drunk. <laughs> it was just hard to like learn anything. And one of those, at one of those events, there was like 50 people all drunk and it was this rock music playing. And I just thought, you know what, someone just needs to spend a couple hundred bucks and rent a conference room just so we can like actually hear each other. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, why not be me? So the first Nomad Summit, I had no idea who would come. So I made it donation based. So like some people would put in 20 bucks or 25 bucks, you know, some, you know, some people pay, you know, put in more, some people were cheap and didn't put anything in. <laughs> and <laughs> luckily, you know, we broke even and it was a good event. We learned a lot from each other. And then the next year I said, okay, you know what? I think this event, you know, is worth, you know, X amount, you know, we can use that to buy coffee. We can use it to buy food. We can use it to rent, rent like a nicer venue. And it kind of just grew from there. You know, our biggest event had 400 plus people. So, you know, people, people flew in from all around the world from it. And the speakers love it because they get to reach a big audience. Uh, but most importantly, they get to meet other successful nomads and network. Yeah. What kind of people go to those conferences or like who are the speakers? What are the topics that you guys talk about there? Yeah, I mean, literally we've had every type of random business. I, I always try to curate it so we don't have two people talking about the same thing. Um, if anyone wants to you know, watch any of the, the old videos, I, I don't even like saying old because it makes it seem like it's outdated, but the recorded videos, yeah. uh, they're all for free. They're on Nom- uh, YouTube, uh, Nomad Summit. You, know, you can learn anything from um, how people built you know, successful freelance careers to web agencies to, you know, uh, a language uh, service to e-commerce, to Amazon, to apps, you know, really, really, really have a big host of things. I I think the only kind of, um, I don't want to say rule, but requirement was, you know, we wanted people to make, you know, at least a hundred thousand a year in profit just to, you know, kind of qualify themselves as, um, as a successful business owner. Um, so yeah, I mean, literally from social media marketing to uh, remote businesses, to coding, to, uh, messenger and Facebook bots, to insurance, (laughs) to, um, you know, like every topic possible, like there, there's people out there. Organizing live events is a lot of work. I know because I've done it myself. Um, why why still do it i mean you don't need you don't need you don't need the money right why yeah. do you still do it yeah actually in fact some of the events lose money i remember our <laughs> cancun event uh which 
I really wanted to do because I wanted to bring nomads to Playa del Carmen and Cancun just happened to be the, where the airport was uh, and had the biggest the big center. You know, I spent four months organizing that, you know, and we lost $8,000 where I lost $8,000. And I remember that, ver- that, that first day uh, I was thinking like, okay, I'll still do the event. Cause you know, everyone came and paid for it and I'm gonna try to make it as good as possible, but I'm never coming back here again. But then by the end of the weekend, I was like, you know what? This was worth me paying eight, you know, eight thousand dollars to come attend. Like I learned so much from the the other speakers. I met made so many good connections. And the people who came up to me and thanked me for you know for putting on the event and introduced them to each other and the network they made and you know, just giving them an excuse to travel and start their nomad career, it was well worth it. So it's nice when the events make money, but even when it breaks, even loses money, it was still worth putting on. Johnny, how can people learn more about all your business journeys? All your, I mean, you've published a lot of content, right? You have have all these podcasts, you have a blog. Where can people go if they want to learn more? Yeah. So if you guys listen to podcasts already, check out travel like a boss or invest like a boss. Uh, And if you want to watch my, my travel videos, just look for Johnny FT on YouTube. But really where the best content is, is on my blog, johnnyfd.com. I, I just wrote a, a year in review of everything I did and learned in 2020. And I think that is kind of one of the most valuable things that anybody can do is reflect on what they did and what they learned last year instead of just putting you know arbitrary goals for next year that they may or may not do. Yeah, cool. And if people want to learn more about the Nomad Summit, where can it go? It's nomadsummit.com. Uh, honestly, I don't know when the next event's going to be just because the travel pandemic, but it's hopefully going to be Tbilisi, Georgia, summer 2021. But I'm not going to start selling tickets yet until <laughs> I know everything's open. Yeah. All right. Well, Johnny, thank you very much. See you next time. Hey, it's John here, and I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more podcast interviews, podcast episodes, make sure to go to our website, langpreneur.com, and also make sure to sign up for our newsletter so that we can let you know when we're going to organize either online or in-person events. We also offer one-on-one coaching there. So again, make sure to check it out, langpreneur.com, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening, and see you in the next episode.